Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, if you feel you've been ripped off by me with bad advice, bad guidance, bad information, or you just think I'm thick-headed, that's why we have Clark Stinks, and you get to hear our on-air edition just a little later now. So, I want to talk about a guy named Scott Nash, who is CEO of a company, a food company, who did something as a experiment slash publicity stunt, where he spent a year eating food past its expiration date, item after item after its expiration date. He ate yogurt that was months past its expiration date. Tortillas a year past their expiration date. And this one is what freaks me out. Washington Post reports that Nash ate heavy cream two and a half months past its expiration date. Oh, that's a line too far. Yuck. So the reality is most expiration dates on medicines and food don't mean that the medicine or food will be dangerous to you if you eat, eat the food or take the med past the expiration date. I've shared with you over the years about the study by the U.S. military that found that medicines were perfectly fine years past their expiration date. Some of them might be only 97% effective way past their expiration date, but there was no harm in taking them. With food, there are some categories that you definitely do not want to eat past their expiration date. And you don't want to eat them at a summer picnic when they've been sitting out a long time. Potato salad! Unless you really like being at that throne in your home for a long time. So, deli meats, you don't eat past their date. Unpasteurized cheese, unpasteurized milk. Um, So, there are items that for absolute safety reasons, you don't eat past their pull dates. Now, there's been a big fight about what labels should say anyway. And I shared with you, um, gosh, it's been two years now since I shared with you the recommended new labeling that the government decided to make a voluntary guideline instead of a mandatory one. The industry, food industry, came up with a compromise of two labels that I see them now in stores but not on every item because a lot of manufacturers don't want to use this system that says best if used by or used by. The idea is all the labeling on food is so confusing, people don't know if that date means danger if you eat past that date or just might taste a little better if you eat by that date. And truth be told, I believe a lot of food manufacturers want food to be thrown out so you buy more. And by the way, nearly 90% of us throw away food 
We go through our refrigerator, our pantry, or whatever. We see the date on it. Bam, it's out if it's past the date. But that's not necessary with most food items. All right, so here's true confessions. I'll take an item out. I see it's past its date. And what I do, okay, I can't, I got to make sure nobody in my household hears this. I will eat the item, sample it, and if it tastes fine, I keep eating. Okay, now I can come out of silhouette. I never said that. That never happened. But that's how I handle it. So just remember, you don't necessarily need to throw out all that stuff. As for the guy who did this experiment, Scott Nash, um, he got out of the hospital last week. No, he had... No problems. He was just fine. Aaron is <laughs> cracked myself up. Aaron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Clark. It's so good to speak with you. And um, I just have to say, my mom has been a fan forever, and um, I've listened to you since I was little. And I was talking with her, and she said, "We first started listening to you when you went um, onto national radio for the first time." So it's been a while. Wow. Yeah, that's so, 1998 that I went into syndication. Yeah, she was thinking it was in the 90s, so yeah. So you've been part of our household for a long time. <laughs> I am so glad. I, uh, I st- uh, My first syndication effort was back in 1992, and it didn't work. And I thought, oh, well, guess that'll never happen. And then who knew, six years later, it works. <laughs> been doing it ever since. And now since. look at you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I look a lot older than I did. You can see on your radio <laughs> dial, I just look so much older. <laughs> no, but thank you for everything you do. You're you're great. So Certainly. Well, how can I serve um, you as a long, long, long time listener? Yes. So um, I travel for work um, and I uh, my company pays for my rental cars um, at least once a week, if not several times a week. Um, and, uh, my husband and I were talking about it and we have two old cars, 2002 and a 2003. And, um, we were considering, does it make sense possibly to, um, quit renting the rental cars and my company will just pay me for the miles that I drive. And I thought, well, that would kind of pay for my, pay for a new or slightly used car and it kind of made sense to me and I feel like it shouldn't make sense so I thought I need to ask Clark and this company you're with you expect you're going to be with them a good long time yes all right because that's a a key key criteria for this oh so you're out there saving people all the time huh (laughs) well I do home IV infusions so oh so you do save people's lives potentially Potentially, yes. Yeah, so give yourself credit. So I'm so impressed you have cars that are are teenagers. Yes. <laughs> How many miles do the O2 and O3 cars have? Um, they have between 100 and, I'm going to say 160 and 180,000 miles on each of them. So th- really, that's not a lot of driving for the age of the vehicles. Are they reliable? Right. Um, the 2003, um, 
not so much. So, so dump it. I mean, you've you've yeah. obviously earned the financial flexibility to get rid of it, and you could uh, is as thrifty as you are, you could buy a used vehicle or you could, because you keep it so long, I think it's fine if you bought something new. I mean, either would be absolutely an acceptable choice. And if you looked at a used vehicle, looking at one that is three or four years old is kind of a sweet spot in the market where Mm -hmm. the first owner has really eaten a huge amount of the depreciation and you'd have a much newer vehicle maybe with a lot of wonderful safety features, which would be great for you to have that you would not have on a 2003. And with if you're going to end up doing the mileage reimbursement and you're going to be on the road a lot, it'd be great if you had a vehicle with a lot of the modern safety features. It could be the difference between saving your life or avoiding an injury. It'd mm-hmm. be good to have. So there's not anything that I'm missing here to where that no. kind of makes sense and it could pay for the car the miles could pay for the right car. the irs sets what your employer is allowed to reimburse you per mile that mm-hmm. is not taxable they mm-hmm. can pay more than that if they choose and then only that gap only that difference would be taxable okay so well, yeah great. you've earned the right 16 years <laughs> with that vehicle Yes, Send and it it's packing. been to many states. And yeah, okay, thank you. Sure, and I'm glad That's that you've here. enjoyed listening all these years. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great one. You too, bye-bye. Right. Go save somebody's life again today, Aaron. All right, Joseph is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joseph. How you doing, Mr. Clark? I'm doing great, thank you. How about you? Uh, you know, I'm doing fantastic. All nights hot and sweaty down here in Florida. All right. Where in Florida are you? So I'm located uh, in a little town just outside of Jacksonville. What's it called? I wonder if I've ever heard of it. It's called Orange Park. Oh, yeah. Orange Park's not a little town. <laughs> well, it, it used to be. It's, it's growing up. Right. Um, it's growing up. I'm not happy about it growing up. but. <laughs> well, Joseph, how can I be of service to you? All right, Mr. Clark, so I am 22 years old, and I'm a type 1 diabetic. I've been diabetic since I was 2 years old. Um, And so I am wanting to ask you for some advice on how I should save for retirement. Uh, Obviously, diabetes is a very, uh, can be a very expensive lifestyle. (laughs) And so um, I want to be able to save for retirement to where I can uh, still be able to pay my bills in retirement and still also be able to pay for every day-to-day, every life expenses. All right, so we got two things to talk about based on you having the uh, the diabetes, gosh, for pretty much your whole life. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Anywhere you work through your adult life that you have access to an HSA, Uh, It's known as a health savings account. You need to max fund that every year. You'll get an upfront tax benefit, and then it gives you this special account that you've got all this money available for you for unreimbursed medical expenses that may occur through your lifetime. Okay. And HSAs have become more popular as a plan for health coverage but almost nobody understands the real value of funding 
the savings account that an HSA eligible health plan makes you uh, makes it possible for you to have. So anytime you're working and they say, hey, we have an HSA, you're all about it. And you want to make sure the first money you save each year goes into fully funding that HSA. Other than that, I'd like you to look at doing a Roth IRA. So I have my favorite children companies that I like for you to do a Roth with. And at Clark.com, look at my investment guide. You'll see what I want you to put the money in, which is going to be a target retirement fund. In your case, it'll be year 2060. You put that money into that target retirement 2060, and you just keep throwing money in that Roth. So those two things are going to be the key for you because, you know, as a diabetic, you're going to face more medical expenses than the average person. And so the HSA is really valuable for that. And then the Roth IRA gives you so much flexibility and is tax-free money for your future as well. They both end up being tax-free money, and that's where the emphasis should be. Gladys with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Gladys. Hi, Clark. It's so good to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. I understand you want to go sail the seven seas. <laughs> well, that's on my bucket list, but yes, that would be nice. <laughs> How can I help you get to sea? What is it you'd like to do? Well, I was looking for some information on cruise lines and when they release their itineraries for um, 2021. Right now, uh, it appears that most of them only have up until 2020. Well, it varies by cruise line how far in advance they allow bookings, but usually it's about a two-year window that's available for booking a cruise. So part of 2020, you said 2021, right? Right. Yeah, so 2021's... Some of the dates in 2021 should be available on cru- on several of the cruise lines. You're not finding any showing 2021 dates yet? The only one I did see was um, Norwegian, but they have their sailings that it, it's, it's continuous for the other seven days. And I was looking to book one through Carnival. It's a 10-day cruise, and I was just looking for April of 2021, and they only have their April of 2020. Okay. And why are you booking so far ahead? Just so I have enough time to save to go away. So you book it, you know you got to give them the initial deposit, and then you're like under a disciplined thing to make the progress payments over time so you get it fully paid for. Exactly. Got it. All right. So the advantage of booking early is that you're going to get the greatest variety of cabins available. The disadvantage often is people who book right when inventory becomes available will actually pay more than people will pay potentially later, like during wave season when the cruise lines offer their specials. On bookings. Would that be more like for the East Coast where there's typical No, that's all season? that's everywhere that you know, oh, people okay. are, are short on money after Christmas, New Year's, and so then wave season kicks off and so in January it used to be like wave week, but now it's more like wave season that goes on for a few weeks. That's when you often will get the best deals. 
But I would like for you to look at working with a cruise agent who okay. is really knowledgeable about the sailings you want, knows the patterns with Carnival. Okay. Have you ever yeah, sat I down know. with a cruise agent? Never. This is a great time of year to talk to one because uh, you live in New England. I do, yes. Yeah, so imagine when they're really busy in New England is when the first cold wave comes. Right. <laughs> so this is a great time of year for you to be talking to a cruise agent. Find a local cruise agent you can go sit down with, talk with him or her about what you want to do, and you should be able to come up with a really solid plan to find the space you want on Carnival and the best price you can get because the agent will know the patterns. Thanks for taking part of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You know, our show is so different than most talk shows that exist. Most of them are in the political arena and their uh, rhetoric levels are very high. Our show is all about learning from each other and giving advice, giving guidance from me, from others. And we have an opportunity for you on our website at Clark.com and then here on our show where you give me feedback to let me know where you feel I'm not delivering on those promises of giving you guidance to save more and spend less and certainly not get ripped off. You may feel ripped off by the advice I've given. So if you go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, you can post where you feel I didn't do a good job giving advice or guidance or that my opinion is off base. You post, other people can see it, they can comment on it, they can agree, they can disagree. And then once a week, Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares uh, her favorites, her highlights, right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Dear Clark, I listen to you often and believe you generally have good intentions. However, you were really stinking up the airwaves when you were referring to first grade students in a recent podcast. You compared the way factory workers were being treated unfairly without dignity, humanity, and respect to the way a first grader is treated. As a second grade teacher of 24 years in our great public school system, I took offense to the comparison. Never are the students in our building or district treated without dignity, humanity, and respect. We highly value all our children and would never subject them to that kind of treatment. I know this was not your intention to insinuate that children in our country's schools are treated poorly, but this is the way it came across. Please be careful with your words, and thank you for all you do. Colleen. Colleen, I appreciate that. I was not trying to draw offense to uh, elementary school teachers or in the environment in elementary school. What I was referring to is the lack of freedom given to factory workers and you know with a first grader or second grader you know that they're still forming and there's very tight rules for them and they they line up and they're told when they can talk and when they can't and all that and so my reference was really about how workers are not treated like adults that they're being treated like young children and that they're not given sufficient freedom and sufficient trust in the workplace 
that was really the point I was making. So I'll try to come up with a better analogy next time that doesn't make it look like we're mistreating our sweet kids in elementary school. I'm surprised that Clark has not received cease and desist warnings from the SEC, FINRA, and FCC concerning financial advice he gives to callers. I assume he is not a fiduciary and he is giving on-air advice without all of the caller's financial information. He should stick to recommending the Garrett Network and leave it at that. Recently, I've heard several examples of inappropriate advice that are too detailed to include here. I appreciate Clark wanting to help, but I would hate to see him lose his airtime if the agencies shut him down. Pablo. Pablo, thank you. So when I give advice, it is of a general nature. When you hear me drill down and say, well, you know, in your situation, it'd be great if you opened a Roth IRA with one of the low-cost companies, put your money in a target retirement fund. What I'm doing is what I've done with my books as well, is I'm giving people who are trying to get started with investing or don't know how to focus on it or how to save for retirement, I'm trying to give them the starting steps so they get going, so they get in the habit. They are putting money aside and they don't let years slip away. The advice I give in that area is very different than a, a fiduciary would do or a certified financial planner where they are, in fact, looking holistically at somebody's entire personal situation and doing much more than recommending like I would a target retirement fund or, hey, you know, if you want to save money, go to this company, this company, this company. So I understand what you're saying, but I am not acting either as a professional investment advisor in my capacity with the show, uh, nor am I receiving any money for anything that I would recommend somebody do. Clark, you so don't stink, but I think a stink bird was in the office when you took a call from Rose. She called in asking what to do with her husband's 401k from a former employer. You told her to have it transferred from, to a discount broker and put it into a tag, target retirement fund. But what you did not clarify is that she needs to roll it into an IRA within 60 days. If she keeps it in a regular brokerage account, she will be taxed at ordinary income rates plus a 10% penalty. If she's going to pay taxes anyway, it's better that she roll into a Roth IRA, pay the taxes, and avoid the penalty. It wasn't clear to me what you were completely suggesting, so maybe it wasn't clear to Rose either. Love you. Corey Kelly in Fairfax, Virginia. Corey, I'm I'm sorry if my guidance in that call was not thorough or clear, and your suggestions to make sure that you never violate the 60-day rule needs re-emphasizing that is anytime you leave a job if you take your 401k money they're going to first deduct 20 percent from it you're going to have to make that up and you're going to have to deposit the entire amount into an ira before the 60th day to protect yourself from being hit with a premature withdrawal from an ira from a retirement account and having to pay massive taxes and penalties Not a stinks, but an alternative to free college. As a former college counselor, I saw squandering of funds by students who lacked maturity. Those who had been out in the real world were much better suited for a meaningful college experience. Thus, two years of community service, military, Peace Corps, local community, etc., garners two years of college free of book or tuition charges. The two years can be done before or after college, but preferably before to give the student two years more of maturity. 
If the student uses the service voucher immediately or years later, it is still available once the service has been performed. I have a more detailed approach, but this is as succinctly done as possible. Jeff. Jeff, that dovetails so perfectly with my strong belief that all Americans as teenagers when they graduate from high school should have to commit to two years of service to our country, either in the military or in some other capacity serving our nation. You were so right that if someone has those two years under their belt, they come out of it as a completely different kind of person than they went into it with. And with a new level of maturity, I think it would be an enormous benefit for society because we've lost something so dear to me, and that's we've lost the sense of common purpose in America that we used to have when so many people, as an example, served in the military together from all walks of life, and we don't have that anymore. So some way that people feel the sense of what our great nation is about and being in service to this nation is something that would be so great if teenagers did that after they finished high school for two years. You don't stink, but you should know everything about UMA. You recently told a caller UMA isn't used for travel. I have the standard service and can use the UMA app to call, receive calls, or both. I turned it on while in Europe and made and received phone calls on Wi-Fi or mobile. Depending on the foreign mobile carrier, it may be technologically technically illegal, but how can they trace the data use? The caller ID shown on outbound calls displays the home number. Paul. Paul. That is a suggestion that I've actually given in the past about using UMA for travel. I'm trying to think in what context I said not to use UMA for travel. And uh, maybe I just had a brain freeze. Maybe I'd had a Slurpee or something. But doing... (laughs) Very possible. Yes, doing that is, uh, is obviously a very good way to save money when you're traveling overseas. Maybe I was referring to it in relation to Magic Jack, that Magic Jack is most suited for a frequent traveler, where UMA is more about service from the home. But you bring up the versatility that UMA offers. If you're not familiar with UMA, OOMA.com, if you still would like to have home phone service, UMA is the best product available in the country, far superior to what you'd get from a monopoly local phone company for home phone service. Clark, you stink. You haven't run for president yet. You've shown you're caring and compassionate. You help anyone as best you can with your opinions and don't ask for any money. You could be making a lot more money than you do through your radio show, but I believe you do the radio show because it helps you feel good. They're able to help the common people. Because you're a good person, let's not forget, you're an economist, but your views and ideas range from left to right, depending on how it affects those in this country. Another sign of a good person. We need someone like you to lead this country. A good person. For that reason, you stink because you haven't tried. Run for president while you still can. You've got my vote and many others, I'm sure. Adrian in Austin. (laughs) Well, Adrian, thank you for your faith in me. And I'm not running for any office of any kind, which is funny because if you, you know my backstory from when I was six years old, I always had planned to run for a public office and my life has always taken me other ways and I very seriously considered running for public office at one point in the 1990s 
again um, in the mid 2000s, and um, I I just don't think that's gonna be my first best destiny. And the political game has gotten to be very frustrating for people who are in it wanting to really bring about positive change. It has become such a frustration to me that the country in so many ways seems unable to communicate across political philosophies and that we're having such a hard time getting things done in the United States. So maybe it's my fault for not getting involved, but I've just followed a different path, but I appreciate your faith. And I appreciate you taking the time, all of you who post on Clark Stinks, go to clark.com slash Clark Stinks, and let me know where and how and in what way, other than running for office, I can serve you better. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Larry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Larry. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Larry, you're looking for a way to earn more on your money. I am. What are you thinking uh, of doing? Well, my original plan is to um, buy a vacation rental a couple of hours north of me where I like to visit. That way I'll have it on the weekends during the off season. Well, you know, I, I love rental properties. And how far away would you be from this property? It's a two-hour drive, and I would certainly uh, expect to have a management company you know, manage it during the rental season. All right. So I'll tell you how I look at these things, where you buy a property that you intend to be a vacation destination for yourself, mm-hmm. and you're also trying to make an economic argument that through rentals when you're not using it that it'll be a winner the way i've always thought of it myself and i encourage you to think about it is that you buy a place like that with the assumption that you're going to have zero dollars of rental income and you buy it for your own enjoyment and then whatever money you can generate from renting it out through a management company is found money yeah. In other words, if you can't justify owning it, even if there's not a penny of rental income, you shouldn't buy one that in these kind of circumstances. Okay. Because well, if you're interested in investment real estate, you go all in, buy a property uh, in your area, you get your tenants for it, you screen them well, you manage the property, you make money on it. 
Right. Well, when I was speaking to my mortgage uh, broker about getting a, a vacation rental, uh, he asked me how many properties I wanted to buy, and, and I just kind of laughingly, uh, you know, said one. But after the conversation, I started thinking, well, maybe I'll get a, a rental near me to make money on after this, after I buy this vacation rental, if it does well. And so I posted a question online, just a general question. How do you like being a, a landlord, and should I do it at my age? I'm, you know, approaching retirement. I'm 58. If you're in good health and you don't mind handling a rental property, I'll tell you, I love rental properties. I bought my yeah. first rental property as a foreclosure in 1978, yeah. and I still own that property. And so I, it's hard to get me to say why it would be a bad idea to own a rental property. Yeah. Some of the responses that I got back didn't have anything to do with rental properties. They said, why would you want to be a landlord when you can invest in mortgage notes, either non-performing or performing? Mortgage yeah. notes. Oh, man. Nobody's asked me about mortgage notes in a while. Yeah. So mortgage notes are something that can be a high-risk venture Yeah. because you're taking on loans that people could not go to a traditional lender to place those notes. And you have a very heightened level of risk owning private mortgage notes. And so it, that's a whole different thing. Yes, you're not having to manage a property. You're not having to manage tenants. But you're taking on a very high-risk venture many times with interest rates that are uh, significantly higher potentially but unless you own the note directly you're only given a portion of the interest that's being charged to the borrower i Um, i like uh, i like to keep things simpler and i like for you to think in terms of where you were originally thinking and that is how would you feel about going out there and digging and looking for a deal on a property that would be an appropriate rental property? How do you feel about having to go through the process of screening tenants? How do you feel about if somebody doesn't pay their rent, having to go through the eviction process? And how do you feel about somebody calling to tell you that the toilet's broken at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not for me while, while I have a full-time job okay so if that's not your thing then i think that getting involved with real estate right now probably is not the right move on your part and that it would be better to stand down on that but as far as the uh, mortgage notes that is a very difficult game to do well in and i would discourage you from getting involved in that because I'm not even going to go into all the hazards that happen with people holding these private notes. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.